Hello and good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on when you are tuning in to this latest episode of Edie's Susty Talk. You're listening to the voice of Edie's senior reporter, Sarah George, and I'm delighted to be um, bringing you the latest episode of this series for you today. We've been running this series for more than two years now, the feeling being that it was so important with the pandemic to keep everyone updated and connected. So I'm delighted to have on the line. Yeah, we've got we've got a transatlantic call today um, and I'm on the line with Stacey Kalk, who is head of sustainability at Shopify. So, Stacey, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. Really looking forward to the conversation. No, looking forward to to speaking with you and getting into yeah all things decarbonisation and carbon removal um, with Shopify. It's a, a really interesting story here from what I've seen um, so far. But before we get into that, it'd be great to let people listening know a little bit um, about yourself. So what what does your current role as head of sustainability entail, and um, and what were you working on on before that? Sure. So I joined Shopify in January 2020. And my team's responsible for three large areas of work. The first is our corporate carbon accounting and emissions reduction strategy. And then the next piece is our $5 million sustainability fund, which launched in 2019. And that fund is allocated to support the most promising solutions and technologies with the goal of reversing climate change. And we also, within that uh, funding mechanism, also launched Frontier alongside four other companies. And I'm sure we'll get into that, but that's a combined $925 million commitment on carbon removal technologies. And then the third thing my team does is we take everything we learn from measuring and reducing Shopify's footprint, as well as vetting and buying high quality carbon removal. And we take all of that and we put it out on our platform so that our millions of merchants in over 175 countries can also um, understand their emissions, reduce their emissions, and also buy high quality carbon removal for their unabatable footprint. So that's what we do at Shopify, or I lead at Shopify. Uh, Before that, uh, my background, I'm an environmental engineer. I love all things technology. And I spent the early part of my career designing environmental protection systems, pollution prevention controls. And I also spent 10 years working at the Canadian government in the environment and climate change department. And I did a bunch of different regulatory and policy initiatives there, as well as represented Canada at the UN negotiating multilateral environmental agreements. So that's my background. It's a bit of a mishmash, but it's actually a really interesting combination to bring that into the corporate world and build uh, a climate program at Shopify. That makes sense with the tech um, background and you mentioned that you joined Shopify in 2020 and since then they've been doing this yeah really leading collaborative work on some emerging technologies that through Frontier that we can get onto um, but I do know that the company launched the sustainability fund so the fund for clean tech like just before um, you joined so it'd be great to hear a little bit about the background and the story of of that fund um, 2019 looking back so I'm UK based that was the time when the UK set its net zero target and net zero sort of became a global um, movement really from from there so it'd be great to hear about why that was a good time to have a sustainability fund and, and the story of that fund. 
Sure. So it is a good story because it's an evolution of, of learning and first principles thinking. And so back in 2019, um, the company was gathering all the data, crunching the numbers and looking at what our annual footprint is for emissions, what were our historical emissions. And so we've got all that information together. And then it was, well, obviously we need to do something about this. And so the search was on to buy carbon offsets because at the time that seemed to be what everyone was doing and started to look at that. And then there were some questions around, well, why would we pay another company to not emit as much pollution as we already had? How can we actually um, be fully accountable for those emissions and undo them? And that led everyone down the path of carbon removal. And so the research began, well, let's buy carbon removal. And by carbon removal, I mean atmospheric capture of carbon dioxide with durable storage. So taking it out of the air and locking it away long-term. And quickly it became obvious that the solutions that were out there uh, were very expensive uh, and in short supply. There was really actually nothing to buy. And what ended up happening was our CEO was getting briefed on all of this and was like, well, there's a problem. We don't have a market. There's no market for carbon removal. And Shopify really focuses and uses market forces and entrepreneurship and commerce to drive change in the world. And so carbon removal really is no different. So that was the genesis of our $5 million fund, which we spend every year on the most promising solutions. So the idea behind that was to be a demand signal. This is the kind of product we want to buy to address our historical emissions. And if you build it, we'll buy it. And we're setting aside $5 million every year to do that. So that's where that came from. And then what happened after that was, well, this is going to be an endeavor that needs, you know, a team to think about what is a good climate solution? What is going to be an effective carbon removal strategy? And that's where I came in to build out that program. Great. And I guess that's the question that I would put to you. So why why carbon capture? And specifically, you talk about what I think is direct air capture. So why is why is that a good solution to focus on in in your line of thinking? So there's a few reasons behind it. And our, our fund does cover a wide range of solutions. So engineered solutions like direct air capture, um, putting carbon dioxide into concrete, uh, we also have ocean-based solutions, soil carbon storage, and forestry solutions as well. So the huge range. But the reason we're focusing on carbon removal rather than um, avoided emissions or traditional offsets that reduce emissions from other sectors, um, we're focusing on carbon removal because there really is a lack of funding right now. And what we need is to be an early buyer that then kickstarts that removal market so that these solutions can get early support and we either prove that they work or we prove that they don't. And then the ones that do work can start to scale and come down the cost curve so that we're driving down prices and bringing more supply online, which in the long term, like say 2030, 2035, when all of these net zero commitments are starting to come due, the carbon removal solutions that everyone's going to need to buy will be there. Um, there's a lot of money um, there right now to buy 
um, traditional offsets. We're trying to fill a gap in the market to try to develop the solutions we need for the long term. That makes sense. And you mentioned the need for, yeah, like strong demand signal and early support. And you've touched on Frontier, which takes not only um, not only Shopify, but also Stripe, Alphabet, Meta um, and McKinsey sustainability. So that can scale that and send an even bigger um, demand signal and provide even more early support. And you've mentioned some of the technologies that you've been working on with the fund. Um, so given that Frontier is somewhat newer. Are all the partners looking at this same mix of technologies? How do you collaborate to come up with the best way um, to look at these solutions? So what we've tried to do with Frontier is we're, we're pooling our funds, like you say, to try and send the strongest possible signal to the global science, research and technology and investment communities. We want to not pick um, a specific technology. So right now we're very much uh, solution agnostic. What we are doing is setting the performance criteria. So we're looking for solutions that can hit that those requirements. And those requirements include things like um, capture from air as opposed to uh, within uh, an industrial setting. So capture from air, uh, the potential to store that carbon dioxide for more than a thousand years, um, a business case and a techno-economic assessment that shows that the solution could hit um, a price point of about $100 per ton at scale, and then also can be a meaningful part of the solution set. So it's not a, a solution that's going to only provide a small amount of benefit, but that has the potential to scale um, and you mentioned, as you mentioned there, that some of these are really early phase. Um, and this is all, as you say, a really emerging market. So that, this leads to some sort of basic questions that we get a lot um, from readers when they hear about companies using this sort of thing and investing in this sort of thing. Um, we often get asked, well, what happens to the removals that are paid for? How do they get accounted for? Is this like an additional way of doing things or is it the businesses? way of dealing with with their emissions so yeah what's that like for frontier will it be that the captured emissions get taken off the sort of emissions balance sheet for for the participating companies it's on a case-by-case -case basis and i think one thing to note is um there's a lot of um, unknowns in the voluntary carbon market right now. We have a lot of different initiatives trying to um, set the requirements for what a company can or cannot do with a carbon credit. And so I'll probably it's probably more helpful if I kind of just open up how Shopify is thinking about this. And so for us, the carbon credits really is a vehicle to get funding to these new companies, these climate entrepreneurs. And so we'll pay that early adopter premium now where the price is high because the um, facilities or the pilots are very small. So you don't get that good amortization of CapEx and OpEx, but we pay that high price now and then we're hoping they'll come down to a better price as they start to scale. And so what we're going to do with those credits and to put it in perspective, Shopify, we're largely an information technology company. We live on the internet. The big emissions reduction levers for us 
our renewable power. And we've taken many steps to make sure that our data centers are operating on Google Cloud, which is 24 seven renewably powered. And we've done all of those reductions. So we have a relatively small annual footprint. It's around 6,000 tons, which is very small. We're not a carbon intensive sector. And so what we're doing is we overbuy carbon credits. And what we do is we will retire some of those against our corporate footprint because right now it is unabatable until the uh, we need two things to happen. We need the electricity grid to get you know fully renewable, nice and clean. And we also need alternate fuels like sustainable aviation fuel to be fully adopted in the transportation sector so that we can address uh, travel emissions in our scope three. So we're sort of watching and waiting for those things to happen, but we do use our carbon credits to um, retire against those unabatable emissions, which we hope will decrease over time. Um, but what we also do since we're overbuying, as these credits get delivered, we like to use them to raise awareness and pass on promotional benefits to our merchants. So for example, each year for the Black Friday, Cyber Monday holiday shopping weekend, we like to offer carbon neutral shipping or net zero shipping, depending on how you want to frame it, where we will buy carbon removal to address the emissions from every order placed on our platform during that weekend. And so that's a great way for us to help spread an understanding of what carbon removal is, but to also um, make sure that those credits are being retired in a meaningful way. That makes sense. And I was going to ask the other question we also get about removals and offsetting is what's the company doing to reduce emissions in the first instance? And I think you touched on that. You also mentioned in your introduction that this is like a super important part of your remit. And you said that it's quite a small direct um, footprint, but is the business also looking at sort of indirect emissions? This is something we've seen a lot of tech companies just getting to grips with and setting new ambitions here. I mean, our indirect emissions are, it's really interesting, right? Because an, est an emissions estimate is only as good as the data that you have. And so when we think about Shopify's product, it's information technology, it's a commerce platform, um, you know, we're not manufacturing a good. We're not, you know, doing something in a factory where we can say, well, we use this fabric or we use these inputs and that's their carbon footprint. What we're talking about in terms of upstream emissions in the indirect area are the goods that we buy. So we're talking about, you know, laptops, we're talking about monitors. And, you know, it's difficult to estimate how, like the emissions associated with those kinds of goods. And it really comes back to an estimate of, well, say we bought X number of laptops from Apple. Okay, Apple's annual revenue is X. Our purchase makes up what percentage of Apple's revenue. And then that means we're like, our indirect emissions are a certain percentage of Apple's scope one and scope two, their direct emissions, because we bought their product, right? So that puts us in that, situation of an overlap where our scope three is somebody else's scope one and scope two. And so really what you can do there, it's about collaboration and making sure that you're talking about how important it is to reduce emissions. And there's obviously things you can do in terms of procurement, but like realistically, we're the levers we're waiting for for our scope three are a clean power grid, 
and a transition in the transportation sector in terms of fuels and alternate vehicles. And so rather than just counting that and picking a date in the future where we know, hey, <laughs> decarbonization will have happened, we'll just pick that date and do nothing. Um, what we're actually doing is something that's a little bit outside the, the general approach, like we are actually paying the green premium on sustainable aviation fuel to try to inject more staff into the ecosystem and displace fossil fuels, rather than just sitting back and waiting for that to happen in the airline sector. And so what we're trying to do there is prove that, you know, if that green premium can come down or be covered, it's a totally viable solution. And so that's where we're looking for that proof of concept rather than picking a net zero date that we know eventually will be met and we won't actually have done anything. We're trying to use the same concept of market forces to drive adoption of those solutions in other areas. That makes sense. And, and Stacey, I know we only have a few minutes left on the call, but I'm I'm aware that we're talking pretty much during COP and we haven't mentioned um, COP um, and so much of what, um, what you've mentioned there. So decarbonisation, power, decarbonizing vehicles and some of the clean tech and emerging tech and making that affordable it is what was front and centre last year. Um, so I guess my question to round off would be, what would you like to see at the conference in terms of corporate decarbonisation and, and clean tech action to, to support all the stuff that we've been talking about? That's a great question, you know, and I want to I want to see so much. <laughs> Because <laughs> we need we need so much in order to move the needle here. Um, but in, in terms of corporate climate action, as it feeds into the broader geopolitical landscape and, and global discussion that happens at COP, I, I think what's really important, and we've seen this work elsewhere, is to figure out how to put a funding mechanism in place that enables countries, um, developing countries, um, be able to, rather than only be able to afford fossil-based fossil -based technologies, how do we um, get that green premium paid? So rather than installing a fossil-based solution, they're able to jump ahead and put in a clean alternative. And those clean alternatives are obviously more expensive. And so what we really need is that funding mechanism to be established so that the, you know, the global north and those of us who've been uh, building wealth on 200 years of fossil fuel extraction and burning, how can we transfer that and build either climate solutions or help with the adoption of, of cleaner alternatives in countries that definitely need that support. I think that's really critical. And to support that, um, there is that corporate layer that can that can play a part in terms of making sure that we're all moving forward with supporting those clean technologies. Um, we have done several things at Shopify, including power purchase agreements for a wind farm, um, buying sustainable aviation fuel and supporting carbon removal. But um, we go above and beyond any of the minimum requirements. And it's also um, different requirements depending on what companies choose to call themselves. So standardization across the private sector can go a long way to drive the development of green technologies. Got it. So clean tech leapfrog, really. Clean power leapfrog is what we're talking about. 
Um, Stacey, I'm aware we're running out of time and that your role must keep you super busy at the moment. Um, so I guess we should wrap it up uh, for today. Um, and then all that would remain is for me to thank you very much for taking part in our Susty Talk series. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. This is great.